0: lovers. Welcome to Wax Chatty with D-Muck and Taddy, where three pals listen to an album, then come together and discuss the dang thing.
1: What the heck is an album?
0: An album is a collection of audio recordings issued on compact disc, vinyl, audio tape, or another medium such as digital distribution.
2: Nice! All of our selections can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, Discogs, Even in your local record store if you fancy doing some crate digging.
1: In the beginning of 2021, the Muck and Taddy Duo started this exploration. And after we had nearly 50 albums under our belts, we brought in Deanna, and it morphed into a podcast for you so that we could share our blinding brilliance.
2: Come and get on the bus with us while we
0: wax lyrical about wax. So let's grip it and rip it, people. all right
1: bill you're supposed to respond to that
0: yeah <laughs> welcome back and thank you for joining us for wax chatty i'm here with these two hobos also known as mac and Taddy. mac i think uh, you were the one that was up
1: i'm up Okay, so I picked an album from 1965. It is called Pastel Blues and is by Nina Simone. It's recorded on Phillips Records. It's about 35 minutes. It's nine tracks recorded in 1964, 65 in the city of New York. She was 33 when she uh recorded this. She was she actually changed her name. She was born Eunice Kathleen Wayman. We're so close to her birthday actually on the 21st yeah. of February 1933 in Tryon, North Carolina in the United States of America. <laughs> oh, boy, country. She died in uh France in a seaside town in 2003 in April in Kerry le Boucher
0: bouchardon
1: Ah oui. oui. Ah oui. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah. Oh.
1: And just a little Bit about her. Nina Simone went to the Juilliard School of Music in 1950, but by 1954, she discovered how tough it would be for a performer of color to make headway in the classical world. She was actually a classical pianist and uh, had been playing piano since she was like 12, I think. She was rejected from the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia because she believed she believed she was rejected because of her race. So she had to start performing at a dive bar. It was called Midtown Bar and Grill in Atlantic City to support her family and, you know, push her music education uh, along a little bit. Um, So while performing in these nightclothes, she changed her stage. She changed her name to Nina Simone to keep her working a secret from her mother.
0: (laughs) So I saw that
1: she left the United States in 1969, moved to Barbados first, and then she popped to a bunch of other places, Africa and the Netherlands, and what's funny, um, Al Shankman, Shackman, her guitarist, was like, oh my God, she was a menace when she was in Africa. It's <laughs> just a uh, crazy menace. And so she eventually settled in France where she died uh, from cancer in 2003. So the big thing about her is she had a monster mental illness, um, which was later diagnosed as bipolar Huge mood swings. Like, she chased a person out of the theater with a knife during one of her shows. It was me that she was chasing out.
0: (laughs) It's not surprising. She
1: pulled a gun on a label executive. I think she pulled the trigger, too. This is in Switzerland, where you can get away with anything. You know, uh, you can get away with anything in Europe. (laughs) But two things that I have recently seen her in. She was in this Ben Affleck movie. No, um, she...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: It was the Summer of Soul that Questlove produced. It was the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, which was kind of referred to as the Black Woodstock. Uh, The film came out, I can't remember what year it came out, recently, two years ago, maybe? Two years, I think you are correct. yeah. Yeah, it's so fantastic. Sly and the Family Stone is playing, but her performance in this is gorgeous. The other documentary that was done in 2015 from Netflix is What Happened, Miss Simone? it kind of beats her up a little bit uh, because of the mental illness and it's the daughter. Her daughter isn't so nice about her, but, you know, she
2: was a tough woman. Daughter was one of the producers or something, wasn't she? Yes, I think you're something, right. Something like that.
1: Yeah. She, was, she was also a re- huge activist for uh, civil rights. I think she also would do some of that in her performances. A hell of a lot of her songs are, a lot of them are standards and a lot of them are also screaming about the wrongdoing uh um, songs yeah yeah i absolutely love this album i had not listened to it before i uh picked it i mean i had listened to nina simone many times and i actually think this album is so painfully wonderful <laughs> yeah uh, I, I and i started li- like going down the rabbit hole a little bit that's like what we should really call this podcast is
0: going down the rabbit hole
1: <laughs> wax rabbit hole wax rabbit whoa <laughs> oh
0: oh wait a second easy easy Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know it was that kind of podcast. You're so
2: proud. Look, I see you. You're so proud. Okay. I am.
0: I'm so proud. I of really
2: am. I'm thinking like Wax Rabbit Hole was on 8th Avenue between 40th and 41st. <laughs> you know, you they had those little holes that you could stick something in and something would happen. Uh, <laughs> They were called those the first automats, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember going oh. to Amsterdam and they still had automats. Um and I had never seen one before because of course they were gone by the time I was I had moved to New York City. And it was just fantastic. It was like you you put your quarter in or your whatever your money that they silly money that all turned to Euros after a while like a hand would put a, a meat
2: pie up and you'd be like, Oh, well, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Boy. okay. I'm so old. How old are you?
0: Yeah. You. How old are and- you?
2: My aunt was great about taking me on little adventures, things that I would like, you know, and she, there was automat still in Chicago. And we would go, she knew that I loved it and I'd put my coin in and press the button and the thing would turn and you'd lift up the thing. Yeah, I actually have been to Automats. Maybe (laughs) somewhere around the time when this album was recorded. Good God, you're not that old.
0: (laughs) I know, seriously.
2: I would have been three. Yeah, she probably didn't take me when I was three. Maybe when I was like seven or eight.
0: Yeah. And like Max said, said, was the whole waxed or was it? (laughs) yes sorry yes
1: but problem was is bill was wearing the bunny suit and he never mind (laughs) off off the bloody rails here
0: (laughs) oh lord have mercy
1: like i said there's nine tracks
0: so the first track
1: is be my husband andy stroud wrote it and he actually wrote it for nina and they were right, weren't they? Yes. Yes. He I forget what he did, but then he was her manager. Then. He was
0: a police detective.
1: That's right. Yes. And he was a tough bastard. <laughs> this song, Be My Husband, and there's no music in there. It's just like a snare. And it's like who's getting beaten? Who's being whipped? I, I have no idea. It's a tough song, man. And to open
2: it with this is yeah. tough. Yeah. And it's great though. Oh,
0: um, it's so good. I love this song so much. I, it,
2: like so funny because it's like the beginning, sort of the beginning of a relationship. Correct, be my and and it's like talking about marriage, but the it's like a work song, like a slave work song or a chain gang song. Yeah, I just think is fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah, just like marriages. Marriages for old people, doesn't she say that, or maybe she says that on another album? <laughs> marriages for old people is one of her songs.
0: When it first started, since it was so of that hard blues, that soulful blues, it just it really brought me back to a female version of what I used to, when I would listen to the blues of John Lee Hooker or a lot of the other blues artists that had that kind of gritty, raw sound to them. And I heard it in her, but then at the same time, when I first was listening to it, I thought it was going to be like Bo Diddley's pretty thing where it's like (laughs) pretty thing, be my wife, da-da-da, da-na-na. Da, 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 da. And then it was like, uh, anything but that, you know? And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Okay, I, I love being wrong. <laughs> Even though I do love that other song. But yeah, big thumbs up.
1: So then it jumps into Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out, which is Jimmy Cox's song from 23. Bessie Smith, Eric Clapton have both covered it. Derek and the Dominoes. Um, Eric Clapton, not racist. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out jumps into having music itself and it's such a great song i've actually gone back and listened to the originals uh, while i was listening to these covers there is actually going back to the be my husband there's three tracks on this album that were kind of written first premiered on this album and that's uh, be my husband end of the line and ain't no use nobody knows when you down and out is like we all knew it well, as soon as it came on i'm sure right yeah. yeah it was great it was like oh wow God, cool great i know this yeah End of the line, interesting little song. I loved it. John Edmondson and Cynthia Medley, first released on this album. Uh kind of a cool song. I enjoyed it. And then Trouble in Mind by Richard M. Jones, which is from 1924. Ooh. Not, I like that song.
0: It's just yeah, so beautiful. Really I mean, I honestly love this entire album, but yeah, yeah you know, keep going about the song. Uh
1: Tell Me More and Then Some. No, 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 that's the name of the song. Uh Tell Me More <laughs> <laughs> and Then Some. Uh, by Billie Holiday from 1940. We did a Faithless album three episodes ago or something like that. Faithless sampled <laughs> this Nina version on one of their albums. Kind of cool. Chilly Winds Don't Blow. I was walking down the street back from watching the Celtic-Aberdeen game this morning, and I, I was like, oh my God, chilly Winds are blowing, man. It's cold. Uh, and that's from Bill Lovelock and Hecky. Krasnow from
2: 1959, and then you know of- Henke Krasnow ha- is famous for "Frosty the Snowman." I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Really? Um, other holiday novelty type songs, others, and also he did a he did he did some Burl Ives songs. <laughs> <laughs> he, wrote some, he wrote and produced some silly <laughs> albums that Burl Ives did. Um, I, I was waiting for you to say "Bad Religion." Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's Hecky. great, Hecky Krasnow, uh, and then it jumps into "Ain't No Use" uh, by Rudy Stevenson again, released first for this album, and then yeah, here we go. Yeah, um, woo, strange fruit. Yeah. Now, I think the first time I heard "Strange Fruit," it was this album because it's "Strange Fruit" into Sinnerman because I was like, oh my god, this—the first part of this song is just painful, and we know exactly what it's saying. And then it comes into Cinnamon, and I was like, "Wow, this ten and minute and change yeah. Yeah. jam yeah. of hers is unreal." I mean, it's just—I absolutely love it. But "Strange Fruit," written by Abel Maripole, uh otherwise known as Lewis Allen, this is the song that ended Billie Holiday's nightclub career. Some jerk cop was in the nightclub; she was singing it. They told her to stop. She refused to do it. And then he framed her by getting her to buy heroin from one of his goons. And she ended up in prison for a little over a year and lost her cabaret license. And it kind of just ended her career, which is, at least in the cabarets. But Strange Fruit, whoo, man, I just watched Till last night. (laughs) It's like, what's what's going on
2: here? I mean, a fantastic film. Um, quite good. But Strange Fruit is Nina Simone's version. I mean, I, my, the first version I ever heard, then it just blew me away, was Billy Holiday's. But yeah. this version is just so raw. Just her on piano. Yeah. And not only just her on piano, she's just doing chords kind of at the beginning of each measure. She's not, it's not a cappella, but it's a cappella ish because there's so little embellishment um, from an instrument. And when she hits the word leaf kind of in the last third of the album and it, it's just this, like, this raw scream, and then she changes the pitch of it, but, like, weirdly, it's so amazing. It's just such a incredible version of it, the song.
0: I remember my mom and dad had their own LP collection, and Billie Holiday was one of my mom's favorite
2: Yeah, mine musicians.
0: too. And mine too. so uh, the album she had, Strange Fruit was on it. It became... One of my favorite songs. I have never heard Nina's version before. So to be Oh able really? To, yeah.
2: yeah. Me
1: neither. Yeah. Until, until this week. Correct. Yes. Correct. What?
0: Correct. Wow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So to hear it in comparison, I love them both because I think they're both excellent. They're both in, but they're just different. To hear this, it was just so wonderful. Like you said, it's so raw and full of more anger, which going back to what you were talking about about her. Uh, everything having to do with the civil rights movement I was reading that she was actually more on the side of Malcolm X and and the more kind of violent more thing as opposed to uh the pacifist Martin Luther King route
1: she would do Malcolm X on one day and Martin Luther King on the other day because she was bipolar
0: (laughs) oh god god Uh. but hearing this song it, it actually uh it actually made me cry I didn't get emotional like that when I listened to Billie Holiday. I don't know, it it made me as a young girl become more aware of what it meant to them as African-American females in that time. And that made me ask questions as to why and this and that. And so it actually, it was this song first with Billie, but you know now re-examining with Nina that made me, Really become more aware of everything. It was absolutely beautiful.
2: I'm so glad, Mac, that you broke down by song. One thing that struck me thematically, it seems cohesive and moves along. In a way that makes sense to me. Musically, each song relates to the previous one and the next one following it in a way that makes complete sense, like the order makes sense. And even to some extent, now this is my imagination going a little too far, but it almost seems like a very loose concept album that breaks down for me. Again, this is just my imagination. The first four songs kind of fit together. The next four songs kind of fit together, and then the last song is kind of like, uh, in a way, an underture or summation of everything that went before. Like the first four songs seem to be more centered on a personal, personal relationship, a relationship that eventually breaks up. And that song that you said, um, "We're at the end" or whatever that you said, you—that's I, I, just an amazing song. It's end of the line. The the heartbreak of breakup. In that song is just so uh, real and alive. And then there's that next song where it's, you're still sad about everything that happened in the relationship, but you know, you're going to get better. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like sunshine is going to come. So, end of the line, I'm, like, trying to do research
1: for it, and the only thing that would come up is that Traveling Woolbury song. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Sorry, Bob. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, You know, <laughs> it's just
0: like. Which no. I do love that song, by the way. Yeah. Those yeah. albums
1: yeah. are great. But, yeah, it, that's an interesting point, Bill, that those one, two, three, four, right? And then the, th- th- you know, I think, I feel like Strange Fruit and Cinnamon are, like, one song, though, because I always, no. I always heard it like that.
2: Uh, and we so haven't discussed Center, Man, we that. haven't really discussed Centerman yet. It's uh, so funny you say that because the next three songs are kind of like starting with that Billy Holiday Holly songs are just examples of blues. This is the blues. You know, it's not it doesn't cover every type of blues, if you will, but like classic. This is the blues, and then you hit "Strange Fruit," and you go. And by the way, this is the foundation of the blues the black experience in America where being your, your black body is not safe. And that's where the blues comes from at its base. You know, it's black music and black experience, no matter if it's BB King singing about, you know, I'm a man, but it comes from that core. And I was like, yeah. And then it kind of, it kind of, the last two songs are that in a way. So I also, Was like, is it three parts or is it? I thought that too, that it's like the first four songs, then the next three songs, and then the last two songs. Kind of fit our like acts, if you will. It's just so great to hear an album like in an, when albums were a thing where, you know, you know that there was thought into picking the songs, the order of the songs. That's why we're not doing greatest hits albums. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nowadays, there's not a lot of that.
1: It's a playlist.
2: This brings us to Sinner
1: it's one word on this album bob marley did a cover of it where it was two words peter tosh did it as well the weavers <laughs> did it it was written in 1956 by les baxter and will holt uh what an interesting version of of that it's over 10 minutes long i think it clocks in at 10:32 or something like that it's fantastic it's part two of strange fruit you know what i mean to me yeah um, yeah same idea of this is horrible <laughs> um uh,
2: this is you know but we will uh try to make it better through this wonderful music about the authorship of sinner man it's also i've also seen it called a traditional a traditional african-american spiritual song
1: so sinner where man. traditional like from when it doesn't say right the furthest back i found it
2: was the les the baxter hole yes baxter. you are correct are the lyrics really what i think they are Does it seem that the person goes to the river and the river is boiling and then goes to the sea and the sea is boiling like everything's burning up?
0: Well, if you look at like Old Testament, as we know, some versions of religions are incredibly hardcore and it's all fire and brimstone. If you don't boiling oceans sounds about right. Maybe
2: I just think Uh, it's an interesting song to end the album on, you know, this (laughs) heartbreak going down to, well, we're all in hell.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I yes.
2: guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, a lot of the continued power that is chanted in this song is—it's so wow. powerful, <laughs> right?
0: Um, it really is. I had forgotten that she had done a song, Mississippi. Goddamn!
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, excellent. Yeah.
0: So I went back and listened to that. Let because me... there's a
1: lot of bullshit going on down in Mississippi.
0: The song was released on her album, Nina Simone in Concert, in 1964. Yeah, uh, Mississippi. What the fuck? Yeah, and it was uh, about the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing in Birmingham, yeah. Alabama. You wrote
2: that, right? That's her song. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. We do need to mention that we know how great of a pian- pianist she was. She's, as you said, classically trained prodigy, and she she's the one that plays all the piano on this. And sinnerman that that rolling, whatever you call it, those just her piano work in Sinner Man that keeps it moving forward is so fucking cool.
1: Yeah, it's dynamite. Uh, I will definitely uh, have this album on rotation.
0: My dad used to talk about a story. He was a waiter in a restaurant, and he would tell all these funny stories about how they would reuse wine bottles so they weren't really uncorking wine. They would turn around. Anyway, in the midst of all of that, he said that late at night, after a lot of the patrons would leave, or even while some of them were still there, Nina Simone would regularly come to this little restaurant owned by a French dude, and she would come in, and they had a piano on the side, and she would get her cognac, and she would just play, and then she would sing... And as people left or whatever, the waiters would hang out late to listen to her. And he got to just listen to her play and sit next to her and talk to her about stuff. Said she was such a beautiful, wonderful human being. So lovely to talk to. Ace. Wow, that that is so cool. I think he was lucky. He caught her in a moment because she wasn't getting hired to do a gig. She wasn't putting on a whole thing. She was just coming in to a place actually to kind of maybe practice or to have a cognac and say, hey, I'm going to use your piano and have some fun.
2: Uh, this is a huge thumbs up for me. Yeah, huge. I mean, it's almost like I feel like I almost feel like saying that this is a good album and that Nina Simone is fantastic is kind of like saying LeBron James can kind of play some good basketball. <laughs> right? Very true.
0: This is an epic thumbs up for me. Who's got next week?
2: I do. Tatino. My pick is a band by the name of Big Joni. The name of the album is Back Home. Uh, Came out last year, 2022, November.
0: Okay, people, that's a wrap.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wax Chatty podcast. If you enjoyed what was in your ears, please rate us and leave us a comment on Spotify or Apple and share this dude with your homies.
0: We'd love to hear your thoughts. Be nice now and look forward to rapping about our next selection. Stay tuned. Good night, John Boy.
2: (laughs) Good night, John Boy.